What is everybody up to? I hope everybody's alive and well. I hope everybody's health and wealth are prosperous. This is another episode of 699 per pound podcast. We're out here. Welcome, welcome to see yours truly, J. Key and Jojo. The lovely Jojo. <laughs> I kid. Uh, we interview leaders and professionals from a wide variety of careers and lifestyle, just like the diverse food options found at a Korean-owned hot food deli, mostly in New York City. So that's why we're called $6.99 per pound podcast. Depending on the neighborhood, it could be $7.99, $5.99, or even $4.99. But I felt like calling it $6.99. Nah, but uh, yeah, so we're here today at Canal Street Market recording with Listening Party inside canal street radio shout out to the whole team sarah and ryan once again i'll say it once again for letting us rock over here every time when we need a space so on that note i'm gonna pass it off to my lovely not not really uh co-host the jojo to break it down thank you jakey but also thank you to all the fans who supported us who liked us on ig who subscribed to our podcast we're on spotify now we are just coming off the high of being featured so oh yo that was I, yeah, awesome yeah we are on spotify now yeah yeah so thank you guys all for the support we read all of your comments so please keep leaving them we'll continue to reply and we really appreciate all of you um but this week we have the honor of hosting the mastermind, the founder, kind of like the matriarch of our podcast, uh, Julie Young. You guys got, if you guys have been following all of our episodes, you got to hear Julie host um, the Malik Yop episode, and that they're very good friends. And even Justin Chun, a lot of our prolific guests has been through the connections that Julie has. And we wanted to dedicate this behind the counter episode, behind the woman who brought all of us together and to give you guys a brief intro of what Julie does and who she is I think everything that you do Julie is really just dedicated to uplifting underrepresented voices through storytelling um, whether it is podcast whether it is uh, through video whether it's through panels but most namely she is a recovering lawyer churned nonprofit executive writer and producer um, you might have seen her on the Korean American Story Not Your Average series where she interviewed the likes of Aquafina, Far East Movement, Dumbfounded, and of course, Jakey. Uh, she, of course, the of most course, important the most of them all. I, that's why I saved you for last. I know, as you should. <laughs> and uh, she's also the founder of Dream Maker, Dream Doer, Dream Support, a nonprofit that provides a lot of dreams. Lots of dreams, so many dreams. <laughs> <And> nightmares. <laughs> resources and inspiration for creatives and under this umbrella she's um, launched a phenomenal girls club a nonprofit that fosters learning leadership and friendship for girls of color uh, founded most recently the tide film festival um, which launched in late 2018 and was a huge success celebrating uplifting filmmakers of color mm. and of course our amazing podcast 699 per pound Word. So thank you for joining us, Julie. Is there anything that we have potentially missed? Probably missed. She's like Lou, Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Really? Not, not as wealthy. Yeah, I was going to say I'm working on that. Um, um. But uh, yeah, now nah, for sure. So i like to say that, uh, yeah, Julie, uh, we met actually uh, through a Korean American story, right? Through uh, what you wanted, you were speaking with Rec. I want to yeah. interview Rack, right? right. And so you were managing him. Yes, yes. I was working with Rack at the time. His and, new uh, album is out? Yeah. <laughs> uh, shit, I know the name. Shout out to Rack. Why Am I Like This? Is that, is that the name? Man. Why Am I Like This? By Rex Dizzy, available right now on um <laughs> on all music platforms. But yo, forget Rex Dizzy. Most importantly, <laughs> $6.99 per pound podcast is on all music platforms now. SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Stitcher. So yo... There's no more excuses for you to say, yo, I can't listen to your podcast because I'm on like 
not non-Apple phone and all of that. You know what I'm saying? So you could listen to it as long as you want to. But going back to Julie, mm-hmm. uh, we first met at a at a nice restaurant in the West Village that I think her cousin was like the owner or yeah. the head chef. Yeah, it actually just closed after 10 years. Word. Oh. For, oh, for yeah. any restaurant in New York to last 10 years, that's, a, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. So we first met over there, bang, like maybe like six years ago, I think, like six seven years ago something like that and then um you know like julie was like fascinated with wreck and then sooner or later before she knew it she got fascinated with me um (laughs) so mostly with me you know mostly with me later on um nah but she was very generous with both all of us actually she was very supportive of um all the projects that i was doing especially bad rap at the time i think she's seen it like i think she definitely seen it uh as a as a non- member of the film staff i think she's seen it the most times <laughs> like she's seen it like 10 10 one 15 time times Rack, like one time for jake yeah one nah, time for she, Dumb, and she brought a lot of her friends and colleagues and really spread the word about the film she was uh she was a very strong proponent of the uh, indiegogo campaign when we first uh, launched that um and all of that was uh, also when she was a part of i mean she is a part of korean american story so I kind of want to jump right into it, like, because I first met you through that organization. Um, what is Korean American Story and what is it about, like, your upbringing that you wanted to be a part of such organization? Wait, so JoJo's not going to tell how she met me? No, nah, she could talk about it later. <laughs> okay. It's, you know. the, it's, it's yeah, such it has a to good come towards story. the middle. I know, because okay. when, just right. when the listeners are going to start to tune out because okay. of you, I mm. will bring it back <laughs> in with that mm. amazing story. No, nah, for sure, definitely. <laughs> Um, so Korean American story, what drew me to it? Um, so first of all, I'm the board chair for Korean American story right now. I've been the board chair for about, um, four years now, been on the board for about eight years. I was introduced to the organization through a mutual friend of myself and HJ Lee, who is the founder of Korean American story. And, um, this mutual friend, he had just started it and she knew that I actually at that time, I don't think I was ever a published writer yet. Um, but I wrote a lot just on my own. And um, she told me about this organization. She was like, my friend started this organization. You should check it out. I think you would really like it. And maybe you can write something for it. And um, so I looked at it and it happened to be around the same time that my, I'm a mama to twins and they were turning three. Mm -hmm. And I was three when I was adopted. Mm -hmm. So this was quite intense emotionally for me. Um, Just like looking at them and thinking of, putting them on an airplane and trying to explain to them, like, you're going to go to this other country where nobody speaks the same language. People look really different and kind of funny. And like the food's going to be different and you're going to have a new mommy and daddy and you're never going to see me again. Like I used to literally like go to sleep crying mm-hmm. thinking about that yeah. um, as their birthday was approaching. So I wrote a piece. So, 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 so you were feeling like imagining what your mom would have felt. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't gotcha, imagine. Gotcha. I just could not imagine like no. doing that with my child or right. my children. And um, so I wrote. Damn, it's a- getting sentimental already <laughs> over here. Ooh. You know, I go straight. I go. I just Ooh. go deep. I okay. go deep. Yeah. So anyway, I wrote a piece about that mm-hmm. and about what I was feeling and like all that stuff. And I sent it to HJ. <laughs> and what was funny is I thought it was like a draft and I wanted to be like, so what do you think about this? Yes, right. Yes. And he loved it so much that he published it like mm-hmm. right away. And I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, I still have to edit that shit. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's yeah, not yeah. in publishable form. Yes. Um, but he loved it. And then, um, you know, from then on, I write more regular. I, ri- I wrote more regularly for them. And um then I joined the board and then became the board chair and I helped. But I have to say that the the reason why I really like Korean American Story is before that, I, I would try to go to Korean American organizations and like functions and I always felt weird. Yeah. Like I always felt other. I, I don't speak yeah. the language. I don't really know any customs and traditions. And like, you know, people would be like, I would feel weird. Yeah, yeah, I would feel weird. They would feel weird about me. And then Korean American Story was the first organization that I really felt very embraced immediately and not just like ooh she's that special adoptee it was like you're Korean American you're one of us yes so I it was the first time I really felt very embraced by a Korean American Korean American organization mm-hmm. and it's crazy that you're telling me about the origin story of that article because 
um, to tie it back to how I met Julie, I read that article way before I actually met Julie, and I knew what she looked like. I was watching mm. all of her videos of you know videos. I thought it was you. just not your average. I didn't no, know that you like, read my writing. Yeah, I read because you had the series. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I somehow found out about Julie. Um, I think at that time I was seeking kind of role models like you know you can only go far as Suchin Pack but I was like okay like what else is going on I came across her story um on Facebook um after seeing some interviews that she's done for Korean American stories like wow this is like really cool and I found that she's been writing more articles and it all kind of culminated when I saw her at Papuda (laughs) at Dumbfounded's after party and I just saw her and she was just kind of texting. I think she was maybe about, I was about to go to home leave, yeah. and in the corner and I was telling my friend like, oh my gosh, Nicole, <laughs> like I know who she is. And she's like, what? How? And I was like, I read all her articles <laughs> and I watch all her videos. And she's like, you need to go talk to her. So I went up to her at Fat Buddha while there's all this commotion going on. I was like, hello, um, I'm a fan. <laughs> it was so it was very sweet. I, yeah, I just went up to her and I was, you know, obviously had some liquid courage and just kind of told her how thankful I was in that. Um, and she's so vulnerable and open about how she made the transition from like a very corporate mm. job to this creative field and how she and she was just so warm and accepting just as how you felt accepted by Korean American story. And it. I think that brief interaction, I got her business card and I remember holding it and like actually sending you an email and it just turned into this beautiful friendship. So, So I see a tear in your eye. From a less beautiful perspective, (laughs) from a less beautiful perspective, uh, I think, so we both kind of got to know Julie through her work with Korean American Story, but... I, you know, I, I think I spoke with H.J., the founder or the co-founder about Korean American story in the past. But it's kind of, I'm still kind of curious, like, what is this organization exactly mm. and what is it looking to achieve? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. We're actually um, about to celebrate our ninth year in May. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we're kind of going through a little bit of growing pains right now. Mm. Um, the mission is to create, preserve the Korean American experience through personal stories Mm -hmm. and then um, also through various means. So we have, um, you know, people who write for us. We have my Not Your Average series. We have our legacy project, which is the signature project. Um, The podcast, the podcast Mm -hmm. that we're working on now, it's going to start coming out soon. Um, And then, of course, we just executive produced a movie. So um, what's the name of the movie? Happy Cleaners. Word. Um, We uh, I got the perk, by the way. You, you got the... Because um, you donated? Yeah, of course I donated. Nice. You know what I mean? Very nice. I'm very generous your, your with my voice, donations. You have a voice cameo, too. I do. They, Frank, cu- right? they cut me Frank? out. I don't, I don't even remember well, the character's name. Well, you didn't make names. the cut. I don't, I don't remember the character's scenes. name, but uh, yeah, they cut me out. Yeah. And <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, are, so she was saying... Sorry, sorry to cut so, you off. And then just... Yeah, just yeah. So. Um, so, you know, we want to uplift the Korean-American experience and show the diaspora within our own community, um, you know, and um, so that includes mixed Koreans, adoptees like myself, um, you know, quote unquote, like just Korean American, second generation, third Korean, whatever, like regular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, we just want to show like the vastness of our community mm-hmm. and to preserve those stories. So part of what we're doing is um, all of the stories, all content that we create is going to be archived at the University of now I feel like I'm going to get it wrong, but I think Southern California, yeah. they have a Korean heritage library yeah. mm-hmm. and they actually asked us if, if they could. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Shout, out to, if, shout um, out to USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a Korean heritage library yeah. and they want to archive all of our content. Yeah, at the Anchang Ho Shout out to Anchang Ho, you know So which by doing that creates a literal historical record for us, for our people. So what is it about this mission that you know like what drives you why do you want to do this like why do you want to spend your time documenting our stories first of all you know hj when he started it and it was really uh, around the fact that elders in our community yeah. were going to be dying soon and a lot of their stories will be lost would be lost as well and um you know our elders went through some shit man right like i mean they survived escaping, multiple wars uh, yeah it's crazy coming over it's here crazy. not speaking a language Han. I didn't learn any of that growing up Right. in school. Yeah. I don't know if you guys did, but I didn't. Right. And I know my kids are not really learning that much. Although right now, Jade is doing a um, 
Jada's her daughter on Queen Sundock. Oh wow! I was like, what? what? Okay, so, and she's super psyched because we watched the oh drama and everything. Oh, she <laughs> so did. She's, like, the like, the really drama's excited. pretty great. Um, so she's super excited that she gets to like teach her class yeah, about she's this figure, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of Korean pride going on over yeah, here, man. Right. <laughs> Lots of um, but you know, so these stories need to be preserved because mm. it's part of our history. Yeah. And if they're not saved and preserved, like how are we ever going to know in the future? You mm-hmm. know, like if you don't know your history, you're going to repeat it, right? Yeah. Um, and I know he started that, but then you challenged him to look at um, younger, preserving and telling stories of younger generations. Yeah, yeah. I wanted us to expand the vision. Mm-hmm. And so I really tried to start plugging into younger Korean Americans. And, um, you know, I, I can't even remember how I found Rack. I'm trying to remember, but I can't. But what's funny is the first time I said to H.J., I want to interview this guy, he was like, uh... I don't know about that. Yeah. You probably <laughs> saw. Did you, did you see the like, God Bless America video? I think video? maybe I did. Was, that, was it that video? I think so, but yeah. I don't remember like how I saw it or where I saw it, you know? Yeah, no, nah, because I did a good job of promoting it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, shout that's out to, why. Shout out to that's me. Why I should have known. <laughs> um, but it was funny because at first, AJ was like, mm, yeah. I don't know about this guy, yeah. you know? And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to interview him. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to start showing, you know, these stories. Yeah. And of course, AJ also then came to love Wreck because yeah. Wreck is just Wreck, right? And we both appreciate authenticity, right? But for me personally, I really admire. So one of the reasons why I really like JK like right away oh, is, okay. right. is because of this confidence, mm-hmm. almost this like braggadocia that a lot of the younger Korean American guys, especially that I was meeting, have. Mm. I didn't have any of that. You so know, you, didn't, you didn't really see that from men or women or Korean Americans in general? Like, no. Well, first of all, I never saw Asian people when I was growing right, up. Right, right, right. I personally, as an Asian, you know, just really didn't like myself growing up. So to see, like, you younger, like, kids having so much confidence, yeah, it was like, owning oh, it. my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Right. And so that really drew me. And I remember actually when we interviewed Donnie, when you guys interviewed Donnie, he yeah. kind of said the same thing. Like, yeah. he kind of, like, younger respects kids. the fact that you guys have so much confidence, you mm-hmm. know? So that's what drew me to Jakey and like these other younger people, so, so creatives basi- who so basi- were like. Basically, I'm a cocky motherfucker. <laughs> so she's just like, yeah. I mean. I mean, you're kind of but a there's specimen. Something to that. That's there's what something said. to that, you know, that yeah. that confidence. And um, so, yeah, I mean. And those stories deserve to be told as well. No, nah, so, so, so Absolutely. I think I think one thing that, you know, it would be interesting to uh, for, for some of the listeners is that. Um, Aside from Korean American Story, I'm sure there's other organizations like Chinese American Story. No, nah. not that we've been Haitian, able to Haitian Haitian American Story. Not that we've been able to find, and honestly, that's actually one been one of my. I'm sharing all like one of my seek my things I wanted to do for Korean American Story is to help other communities mm-hmm. create their own, so to kind of branch it off and like almost sell and, the and idea. And that's kind of what I yeah. wanted to hear yeah. too because yeah. I, you know, it's almost kind of like an anomaly that this community group is documenting their own history mm-hmm. or her story or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. So it's, uh, I, I, you know, I really encourage it. I really champion it. And I, I think it would be great if we could see that in other communities yeah, as absolutely. well. absolutely. Anyone from other communities mm-hmm. hit me up. Yeah, yeah like if you're listening to this happen. podcast yeah. right now, if yeah. you Jamaican American, yeah. Haitian American, yeah. Filipino American, yeah. if you feel like your stories are important and needs to be documented, holla at us and we'll connect you with Julie Young. And uh, she could probably guide you through the process. DMS on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Holla yeah, at us. for sure. I actually was helping a Haitian American friend of mine kind of start it. Oh. But, you know, it's like you're by yourself and you want to do it, but it takes Finding a lot that of community. like help and, right. So, it takes, um, I, think, I think to start anything that you don't have a lot of support, you just need a lot of self-conviction and commitment. That's, that's kind of like Discipline and number one rule, you know what I mean? As long as you kind of believe in it. As long as you thug it out, basically, like eventually, because most motherfuckers are really going to just start tagging along when you right. start popping right. anyway. Right. You know right. what I mean? But as long as, you know, when like the tennis ball like bounces, it goes down first and then it comes back up. You're supposed to hit it when it's supposed to come back up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So when you down, just ready to bounce back. You know what I'm saying? No. Young word true. of wisdom. That's true. Uh. <laughs> so I think you're in this like really awesome position where you've, experience and created successful 
um, franchises and successful organizations. And I remember when we started six ninety nine per pound, you were very adamant about I want you guys to carry this on, carry mm-hmm. the spirit on. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about um, how you envisioned this podcast? Because you really brought kind of connected the dots between a lot of us basically yeah yeah Yeah. I mean initially just to tell my recollection of it Jakey and I had a meeting because he had been thinking about a podcast I on my own had been thinking about starting a podcast um many people had already said to me Julie you should have a podcast like many 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 people Mm -hmm. um and I kind of still like that idea but I also really like the idea of helping younger people start one and create one and to have your voices be you know the voices that are in the spotlight. And so when Jakey first came to me, we were kind of talking about Korean American type of podcast. And I said, well, I want to do a podcast, but I want it to be broader. Mm-hmm. I want you to be able to interview beyond just Korean Americans, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, and I'd be happy to do it with you, Jakey, but I need you to do it with Joanne. <laughs> right, 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 right. And yeah. Joe, he was down, he was down. Mm-hmm. And I, but for me, I want, Jakey is such a strong personality and I wanted a balance to that. Mm-hmm. And you're a strong personality, but in your own way. Mm-hmm. And you guys are such yin and yang. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's what I wanted, mm. you know? Not even just the male-female thing. You're just so all around. You are opposites. Very different. Yeah. But balance each dark, other, I'm right? The light. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I wanted that to be the team. And, you know, of course, everyone agreed to that. And here we are. So. No, for sure. So- but six ninety nine per pound was my idea, J.K. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> now, six, you said that six, in the intro. Six, I was like, that was my idea. Six six ninety nine, six ninety nine per pound. Yes, it is my. Uh, it was it was Julie's idea. On the record, I called it. I called it hot, hot food, food deli. deli. And I hated they it. They hated and it. Joe and I were like, hell's they no. They hated hell it. No. And I was like, yo, six ninety six nine for real. That's that's kind of a sexual position, huh? Like. But apparently, like, I was the it's only... It's how much I was, it used to cost back in the day. I, I was the only one that kind of thought that. So, um, <laughs> nah, but... So, yeah, so we started this podcast with Julie, um, with uh, being a producer, a co-producer, supporting us throughout this cause. But not only are you uh, helping young Korean Americans to jump off, the, to kickstart podcasts, but you also uh, kicked off a film festival so you could give it uh, give that platform to other people of color. Right. So you mentioned earlier that you have, um, you know, you have twins mm-hmm. that are of mixed race. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember that um, I wasn't, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be present at the Todd Film Festival mm-hmm. opening. Um, we were all there except for you. Show up, we literally show everyone. Up. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> except for I apologize. You. I apologize. But it was <laughs> next year. So, but, but I can say it was popping. Right, it was it was cracking. Totally so many people showed up and support. But from the footage that I saw of um, the opening statement that you made, you said saying along the lines of that you want to dedicate this film festival to your children yes. who mm-hmm. are of people people of color, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of want you to kind of. Uh, Tell us about the genesis of the film festival. And, um, you know, you just did, you just accomplished your first year. I'm sure you're prepping for your second year now. I'm sure it's a lot of work. Uh, So tell us about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, Dreammaker is the nonprofit that I started. And um, the mission is to, as I think Joanne read in the beginning, is to provide resources, connections, inspiration for creatives. And um, one of the, that's super general kind of on purpose so that I can do different things like podcasts yes. and film festivals. Like a media company. Club, right. And so I, um, but I always had the idea for a film festival for like a long time now. And the reason is because, you know, everything I really do is about, <clears throat> is kind of a result of being an Asian girl growing up in a white suburb, in a white school, in a white family, never seeing other Asian people I think I think we need to kind of reemphasize that an Asian girl growing up in a white family and a white suburb. Yeah, that in itself, it's yeah, it's it's, you an know int- what? it's an it's a unique experience. And you know what's so funny is like not until later in my life did I realize just how sort of traumatic it was to be in that scenario. Until it, we were having a conversation, my husband and I, with a friend of ours who's black, and he was talking about how you know he grew up in a very white suburb too. And white school. So and all he's, this a, he's stuff. a black gentleman who grew up in a white right. suburb. Right. Okay. had a similar experience. But what my husband said was, right, but you then went home to the safety of your family. Yeah. Right. I went home yeah. to the oppressor, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. literally. Mm-hmm. 
And that I, even personally, like I kind of didn't realize the deepness of that until my husband said that to yeah. his friend. Yeah. Like, that shit is crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. Wait, but when, when he said oppressor, were well, you he, okay? I, said we, I mean, we, he didn't use that word. Right, right, right. But like, you know, like to make it, it's just sociologically speaking, right? right? The power People structure. of color are oppressed by people. Yeah, systemic right. racism, which right. benefits white people. Right, right. right? So um, that was kind of deep. like when I, And that was in my adult life. Like, it took a little yeah. while for me to, like, get... I was like, yeah, oh and your God, husband wow. was instrumental in connecting those dots for you. Yeah, I mean, my husband is black, so my kids are black Korean. So, yeah, so the film festival and, and everything I do, really, like, yeah. even with 699, like, you guys know, I really want it to be sort of a, a diverse group of people that we talk to, and I also want our audience, no matter who it is, to just, like, I want us to help open up minds to other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. So I think like the more people see or hear other people's experiences that are not necessarily like theirs, the better chance we have of creating compassion between people. I know this gets a little woo-woo, but I really believe this. Like, yeah. no, you no, know, creating definitely. compassion between people, which can then break down our own personal implicit biases, which can then help break down systemic bias. Absolutely. So, you know, Tide was about my experiences as a, girl growing up never seeing reflections of myself in books movies tv anything and and not even wanting to see them honestly because I was so like didn't want to be reminded that I was different you know what I mean Ooh. um yeah really? so okay and because and I and I always make a point of saying this like because people a lot of times in like media and representation and stuff like that people talk about what we see right and I also talk about what we don't see yeah because they're one and the same, mm -hmm. right? But nobody ever talks about what we don't see, right? So to me, having kids of color, especially, it's been like my life's mission since they were like in my womb <laughs> to help them feel good about themselves. To see themselves. To see themselves, to feel represented. And, you know, as kids of color, I think the two ways that we, as parents of color, can give armor to our kids is to is through education, but through real education. Um, like, an example of that is, you know, in education in America, a lot of times the first introduction kids get to black people is segregation, civil rights, slavery, that kind of thing. When really, in Africa, there were these kingdoms. Yeah. There were these hospitals. There were these schools. There was so much, like, amazing shit going on over mm -hmm. there. And it, yeah. But so many people here think the first thing they know about about black people is that they were slaves yeah so in our house we teach them the african history first my mm -hmm. husband mostly yeah. um because we're very mindful of how and what they're taught and what's lacking in it because um, at the end of the day is really about having knowledge of self completely so, so without knowing your foundation you're going to be lost. You're going to be lost. So if you just start your passage, your existence yeah. as the fact that like, you know, you were slaves where your ancestors were slaves, that's only part of the story. It's incomplete. It's yeah. a very small, minute yeah. incomplete. part of the story. Yeah, it's incomplete. So that's, I applaud your husband for doing that. Yeah. Because I think one of the main reasons why I'm so fucking confident or cocky about my own identity is the fact that like, I know where my roots are. Mm -hmm. Like, I know where my ancestors' mm -hmm. graves are. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what they've done and chosen dynasty and shit like that. You have roots. So, yeah. I understand roots. my roots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, nah, that's, that's amazing. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's really important. So, there's that aspect. Like, you have to educate your kids. And then you have to help them feel as good about themselves, as confident, as much self-confidence as possible. Yeah. Right? Those are the two things kids of color need in this world. Yeah. In our society. Because then they don't seek validation from outside. They have it in them. And then they don't want to be other things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They don't want to. I grew up wanting blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. They don't want that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, Tide <laughs> came out of the lack of, really, my own experience of not liking who I was, not liking what I saw in the mirror, and not wanting my children to experience that. Yeah. At all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think when I speak to you and my friends who grew up in as a total minority because I had the privilege of being a majority and that I grew up in a neighborhood that was 60% Asian. Just fascinating Yeah, to me. I went to a high school. Listen to was, previous episodes of 699. Yeah, it pound. was like the 626 and you know I, I mean? never felt like I was a, a minority and the first time where 
someone addressed me and told me that you know I was a woman of color was a professor who was teaching um, African American representation in mm. media. And um, it was one of those courses that everyone had to take, which I'm like, I applaud USC for. Great. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and she looked at me and said, you know, as us women of color. And I was like, me? What? Oh, my gosh, <laughs> I am. And that it's so interesting. And it kind of helps. It, it forces me to recognize my privilege in that I, I had the privilege of never needing to, like, question myself or never mm. needing to do that. And mm. I think I, I remember seeing some people in college or um where for for example there's that quote-unquote whitewashed asians who are like oh like i'm not like other asians like they're the token right mm -hmm. they're like i am like special um and they kind of are like the only asian kid in like the, the sorority house or the frat house and they kind of find pride in that mm -hmm. i've transcended my race mm -hmm. i like they accept me but only on the conditions that you are allowed to so just yeah just experiencing all of that being in New York City has been such a gift mm -hmm. and I think that's this podcast is really important and that there are some people in the 626 who are going to n have never met anyone like Professor Zaide or right. never met anyone who has like, like Jay old, Key yeah like Jay Key no really forever in your memory <laughs> no uh, exactly but nah. do you no, ever yeah I was gonna just say though I have adult friends who I have helped realize Asian friends mm -hmm. that they are people of color yeah so oh, like really yeah for real. Uh -huh. <laughs> so uh -huh. it's, it's a problem. Like, mm -hmm. uh, so many Asian people don't understand that we are people of color. Yeah. Or they don't accept yeah. it. And it's it's a problem. How have you approached those conversations? Because I, when I go back home to L.A., I definitely have struggle in that. Like, I, I have Asian friends who think they're white. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do I... They don't even understand. Or like, oh, there goes Jojo being all defensive again. Or like, you know, being quote-unquote woke again or mm -hmm. whatever. And I'm just like, wait, like, are, are we just not going to address this right. at all? Yeah, no. I'm pretty direct. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am. I'm pretty direct. I like to be direct, but in a gentle way mm -hmm. I've, I facilitate a lot of conversations around race and I've been told many times that I'm really good because I'm good at saying something that may not be what the person wants to hear but saying it in a nice way so yeah. but I really feel like you know don't beat around the bush like yeah. we ain't got time for this shit mm -hmm. like life is too short so I'm pretty direct yeah okay <laughs> nice. I need to work on that. As I, I really need to work know. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be as direct as yeah. possible. Life but is too nice short. Way. Yeah. But in a nice way. That's the thing. Like, you can always do it in a nice way. You know, and it's just all verbal judo at the end of the day. Go back to a little bit about, about the tide. tide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we're coming off of the high of it. It really, truly was so successful, so diverse. Thank in, you. From the films to the panels and acclaimed, I think. I think in the beginning, you were like, what if the films aren't good? <laughs> and no, but my director of programming yeah. is such a badass. I was super blessed to get her on my team. Yeah. She's been in the industry forever. Karen McMullen, shout out to you, Karen. Mm -hmm. She, um, I mean, really, that was definitely like the universe supporting me, mm -hmm. sending her to me because... Mm -hmm. We put out the posting for the director of programming and really weren't getting a lot of hits or like just not good hits. And she sent through this, dude, her, her cover letter was like, <laughs> you know, I heard about this, whatever. I think I'm your woman. And I was oh, like, I mean, that right there is like, okay. Yeah. You know, and she just, I mean, she's a Sundance screener. She does the New Voices um, BAM festival. She's on Doc NYC. She's, a professor of film editing. She worked, you know, with Spike Lee, like all this stuff. Like she's, she's amazing, amazing. And yeah. she completely understood my vision. And she's worked on a lot of black film festivals before. So she really appreciated the experience because she was like, this was kind of magical. Like I've never seen so many stories of different types of, of people yeah. all in one like sitting. Mm -hmm. And there's something super powerful about seeing, I mean, we know the power of seeing representation of ourselves on the big screen, Yeah, you know, and just um, to see it all like come together. Like she totally got my vision and super blessed to have her. What so. were some like highlights or key moments or uh, specific films that you would like to like address? Well, so we showed a total of 27 films, three features. The rest were all shorts. Um, it's hard to find really good features, especially when you're a first-year film festival, although our closing night film was on the short list for Oscars, mm -hmm. for the Oscars. But That's it didn't amazing. make it, but it was it's super powerful. And um, Crime and Punishment, it's on Hulu. You should watch it. 
Crime and punishment. Crime it's plus on punishment. It's Crime on Hulu. Plus it's like the plus sign. What is what is it about? Um, so it's basically about the quota system within the New York City Police Department, which which totally exists, completely exists. And um, these twelve New York City cops were brave enough to file a lawsuit against the NYPD while they were serving, serving. as officers. Mm. Some of them are still serving, and um, and. Uh, you know, they they help make change within the, I mean, you know, it's the police department, so yeah. <laughs> how much change? But um, bringing awareness to that issue, uh, they, they're they like, it's about to show in France now. I mean, it's shown like all over the, you know, place. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and the guy who directed is a Korean guy, Stephen mm-hmm. Mang, and then all the officers were black and Latino. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a perfect, you know. Yeah. Kind of ending to the Tide Film Festival. Yeah. So crime plus punishment. Crime plus punishment. Available it's on, on Hulu. Hulu. Directed by Stephen Mang. Shout out to Watch Stephen Mang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we want to see. We want Officer Raymond on this podcast. He's been super busy lately, but yeah. hopefully we can get him. Yeah. Um, but uh, so a couple of the short films that stood out for me. You know, one of the directives I gave to my to my director program was like. You have to find Native American. You have to find. I, I love Americans. that film. Like that you was so have beautiful. to do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so there were. Um, I think we had two or three, and one of them in particular, where the girl wasn't really talking. Yeah. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it now, but yeah. that shit brought me to tears. Yeah. Like that was amazing. Um, and then, and I feel bad that I can't remember the name now, but and then there was one. Um, did you see <laughs> this one called Hinterland? I think. Oh my God, Dick, you would love this one. It, there's one. So this guy, again, I'm so bad because I can't remember the like directors and stuff, but this guy basically gets um, robbed by like a former hip hop star. Okay. <laughs> and the, the guy who's robbed is like a huge fan of his. And oh, like, wow. he recognizes him. Already like the like, plot. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. So what's the name it's of this amazing. film? Hinterland. Mm-hmm. Hinterland. Hint- H-I-N-T-A-L-A-N-D. Hinterland. Okay. And um, God, if I remember correctly, I think it's a Latino guy who did it, but it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So Hinterland. Hinterland. And then there was one called Bush Baby by Bush this Baby. guy. The director was um, Tariq, Tariq someone. Uh, so apologies for not remembering names, but um, that was hilarious. It's like, I think it takes in bu- takes place in Bushwick and it's like, you know, gentrification and just, it's hilarious yeah mm. it has hilarious. kind of like a i'm sorry to bother you vibes yes. mm-hmm. totally very, very totally and you know i was quirky. really happy because after the opening night so we had someone there at the festival and who was on our advisory board who works for um, a major production company and she loved it so much that she was like here's my card i want you to come and meet with us yes. we're going to talk about doing some work with you yeah. so that awesome made me that's very awesome yeah. that's awesome so yeah. bush babies yeah. crime plus punishment hinterland hint I can't remember the Native American movie. Okay. I'll just send you. And we'll put it on the description, though. <laughs> we'll definitely yeah. put it on the yeah. description. Well, I think for me, the highlight was, um, you know, you obviously spoke and it was so beautiful. And I remember Malik kind of set you up as well um, during the opening night. And um, Jakey, unfortunately, couldn't join us. But when he came to our recording for the six ninety nine per pound episode, he was like, that's why, you know, excuse why my French, but he was me. like, that's why I fuck with you. Because <laughs> he's like, you make stuff happen. You know, how audacious is it if someone that you know is like, I want to do a film festival. It's like, okay, cool. Like, good luck with that. Yeah. And the fact that you made it happen and you in this first year had award-winning films created a platform for these directors and i think one thing that stood out to me too was that these directors were so thankful and so grateful and we were super (sighs) intentional about taking care of the filmmakers yeah and we actually got like filmmakers were like so we provided food Food, and coffee mm -hmm. and all that stuff throughout the entire weekend and I guess apparently that doesn't happen at film nah, festivals. No, hell no. Yo, they don't like, give you Jakey shit. Knows. You know me. You I could feed barely you. get yeah, tickets. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to feed you. And so literally, filmmakers on Saturday were like, we had like a bagel spread that had like mm-hmm. vegan Lock. spread, lox, scallion, you know, like OD all this. And then for a we film had, festival. shout out to Marie for that bagel spread. Mm-hmm. But then, then, you know, and we had coffee throughout the day. We had like, real ginger beer we had like stuff literally throughout the day and and one of the filmmakers was like usually at film festivals i'm wondering where i'm gonna go get coffee 
and when, mm-hmm. you know, because like, they're in a place they don't know and they don't, you know, and what am I going to eat? And when I'm, I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. And in fact, Karen worked on a major film festival right after ours. <laughs> we'll say which one. <laughs> and she texts up a, a picture of her with a bag of Cheetos. Oh my God. Because they gave no. little bags of Cheetos. And that was like it. When, <laughs> you when know, was like, your film festival? Last year? It was when? in November. It's okay. like, thanks for sharing your art. Here's a Cheeto. Right after that? <laughs> okay, I kind of have an idea which one um, it is. Okay, he knows which one it is. All right. Okay, okay. I'm not, I'm not but, naming yo, any names. But. but nah, like, you know, you know, most film festivals, actually all film festivals that I've been to, uh, they don't serve food. There's no coffee. Yep. Uh, it'd be it'd be tough to even secure tickets for your staff. That's what I'm told. So I have to yeah. buy tickets for my staff. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and I buy tickets not at like discounted rates, like right. regular motherfucker rates. Yeah. Like I have to buy tickets for my staff. So attending a film festival, doing anything with a film festival, film festival is a lot of money. Yeah. So for you to like take care of your film um filmmakers in that mannerism, it's is something that, you know, I feel yeah. like people should applaud you for. Thank you. I mean, so, it was a huge part of the... The thing about my festival is that I was super intentional about all of it. Yeah. And so many people, which I really appreciate afterwards, were like, you could feel it. Like, you knew that there were... There, first of all, like, some of my... Um, we had some panels with some pretty, like, heavy hitter people in the industry. And so many people still have connections with the people that they met, met. you know, and like they, there was like a mentoring workshop for just the filmmakers with some, you know, pretty cool people. And I've gotten so many messages from people saying like, I'm still in touch with these people and, and they're amazing and I'm trying to help them with this and I'm trying to help. And that was a big part of nah, like, that's what amazing I for do. sure. Yeah. Definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Man, now I kind of want to start my own film festival. <laughs> yeah. Maybe do one in Flushing. <laughs> but you know what? Can I share this too? Yes, to be totally please. 100. So, I have like serious imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You guys know what that is, right? Yeah. Nah, no, no idea. It's literally a psychological that? like diagnosis, right? I've have di- self-diagnosed myself, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. I was a psychology undergrad. I was a psychology yeah. undergrad. But um, so it's basically this syndrome where you're doing these amazing things and everyone's like, oh, you're so amazing. It's so inspiring. Oh my God, I can't, you know, thank you for doing this, whatever. But you feel so inadequate that you're like, Oh, they're going to find out that I don't know what yeah. the fuck I'm doing. Like and I'm not fraud. worthy and I'm a total fraud. Right. Oh, so I had that like big okay. time. Tide was like the first time that I was even like, yo, fuck you. <laughs> Imposter syndrome. Yes. You got to take a back seat because yes. that shit was badass. That was so that badass. Was so badass. Yes. Like even I mm-hmm. am like, mm. you know. Yeah. And it's something that, I mean, really inflicts women and especially women of color. Totally. Because... Dick is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, he's like, but I am a king. I am the emperor. Nah, I never said anything. I'm just listening right now. I'm just absorbing. I'm I'm just just absorbing. No, but yeah, I think because I think people constantly question you, you know, and and you in turn question yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's... there is that statistic of where when it comes to like job applications or something totally women will only apply to a job if they feel 100% qualified right whereas men will apply oh, I got 50% 60% of this. I'll yeah, do 50 60% yeah. because hmm. they're like oh why not yeah i didn't know that it's a fact um and it's, it's just fact. Kind of, the fact that yeah i think there's this sense of you know entitlement or audacity that men totally. is have the privilege to have because of the society and women is kind of like I can't fuck up it's like if I fuck up once out of the 10 good things that I do that's all they're gonna remember because like I'm a woman yep. or I'm Korean yep. or I'm black yep. or all those yep. things mm. so um, I think definitely yeah. that's actually another thing so I've been working on as a woman ladies yes. is like <laughs> why I pointed out that I came up with the name is yes. because a lot of times women don't, don't take credit for shit yeah. mm. that they did mm-hmm. so I've gotten a lot better at that in the mm-hmm. last few years but for real like a lot of times we'll just be like super humble about stuff or no, not take, try and nah, be in the spotlight take or be credit like, for you know, everything. Mm-hmm. you got to take credit for shit you've done. Not for sure. Because they're not going to give it to you. I tell they my, don't want to give it to you. I tell so my you girl take that it. all the time. It's I'm so like, true. yo, like your yeah, shit was worn so by humble. like Michelle Obama, yo, that show Oprah. Amazing. Like you, know. you did mad shit. Like, yeah. why don't you, you know, shout why don't you like shout it, shout, shout it out, like put yourself on the gram. It's like, nah, like I don't like to do that. Nah, nah, nah. And I think maybe with Korean women who are even more traditional Korean women right. or like grew up with so many yeah. of the traditions, it's even harder. Mm-hmm. Right, to shake that off. Yeah, nah, yeah. for sure. Definitely, I, I kind of I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah. I definitely get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I'd love to talk more about like your career, mm-hmm. um, 
your your career before all your philanthropic mm-hmm. um, creative pursuits. Uh, but I think we could save that for another time. I mean, I would like to say emphasize that Julie. First and foremost, is a recovering lawyer. Um, yeah. Before she got into all these, I actually uh, still lawyer once in a while. She is. She does, she's still she lawyers. Actually, she she yeah. went back to the yeah, game. She we went all back need to the game. Health insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, she she is still an active lawyer once in a while. Uh, so you know, you know, I love to talk about law and all the stuff that Joanne doesn't <laughs> like to hear. Uh, it's because I follow. He the doesn't law. like to always take I the advice, the law, but he okay? likes to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. I love as talking con- about the law, as man, because I never breaking know. It. I, I never know when it's gonna catch up to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I need to make sure it's an insurance. <laughs> um, but we could talk about that another time. Yeah. But you know, this. Well, see, I'm, I'm gonna give credit where it's due. So one of the uh, ongoing questions that we always ask our guests is, "What is your most significant relationship?" Mm. This question was actually coined by Julie. Yes, in so, the Donny episode. So yes, so I will like to give I like credit. To go deep. Yes. I like to give credit <laughs> where we've it's adopted due. it ever since. So um, yeah, I like to ask you this question now because uh, you were the one that who phrased it. Yeah, it's so funny because when I saw the outline before, I was like, "Oh shit, I haven't thought about that." <laughs> like, um, but you know what is interesting is. I have to say my Korean mom, mm-hmm. even though, you know, I only lived with her for three years and didn't find her until much later in my life. <clears throat> and our relationship is, you know, whatever. What do you mean by whatever? Like, it's, it's, you know, we don't speak the same language. We don't mm. communicate that often. We don't, you know, we had to go through some shit once I found her. Yeah. Like I was really mad at her for some time and then I forgave her and like had to go through all this stuff. But, you know, we, for me... The thing that uh, that impacts me the most and impacts everything I do is the fact that I'm adopted. And so, why is that? It's because my mom made that choice. My Korean mom made that choice. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's the most significant relationship. Because mm-hmm. mm, it kind of defines, defines. She she literally who defines I am. who it you are. It defines that the fact. Her choice. That fact. Her choice that created this fact about me that I'm adopted informs everything i do Mm -hmm. Mm, i see i see so joanne do you want to ask the other ongoing question that we ask all our guests (laughs) no of course and what is your personal mantra Mm. so i have a million Mm -hmm. and it and like it kind of depends on the day which one i'm like most focused on so my (laughs) my current most focused mantra is mind over matter mind over matter you know like Ex- what you think, yeah, yeah. What you think um, dictates what is. Like I was telling my daughter the other day, um, I can't remember what we're talking about, but I was like, oh, she said something makes her happy, right? And I was like, you know what? The key to life, <laughs> which I give them all the time, is that no matter what happens around you, no matter what other people are doing, no matter you know what circumstances are going on, the key to life is for you to remain basically neutral, right? Like shit can be happening around you. You have to remain Zen. Mm-hmm. And that's mind over matter. Yeah. That's like, you know, something, someone else can be doing some shit and, and so annoying or whatever, but you know what? That's their stuff. You got to just do you and remain Zen. Yeah. So there's that part to it, Right. And we have that choice. Like, how are we going to react to something? How are we going to respond to something? And the thing is, like, you don't always have to react, right? And then, so that's that part. And then the other part is, like, mind over matter, meaning, like, what you think truly dictates what is and what becomes. Mm-hmm. Like, our kids say all the time, like, they'll be like, my son will be like, oh, I can't do this. I'm like, okay, then I guess you can't. Yeah. I'm like, because if that's what you think, then that's what's going to be. Yeah. So, like, control your mind. Mm-hmm. And control your life. Yeah. And I think you are someone who you live that and you I try. lead I mean, by example. I try. I'm and you, so not even yeah, close to perfect. No, but, but you, I try. you stay vulnerable. And like, I'm always talking about how I want to be like Julie when I grow up. Well, you're who I wanted to be when I was 24. But it's like, you know, meeting you at Fat Buddha. Thanks, Fat Buddha. Um, and just the fact that you actually responded to me and we've kept this relationship and that you saw something in me because I go through so many of the things that um, like insecurity and that mind over matter thing when like when 
things around you or when people are telling you that you can't do this and you can't do that then and you start internalizing mm-hmm. it for yourself mm-hmm. seeing people like you who you do respond because you responded with things like tide you responded mm-hmm. with things like 6.99 per pound mm-hmm. it helps me overcome that and it helps me see a really positive example for me mm-hmm. and i think i'm so thankful and this epi- episode you. was so special because we finally got to interview you Thank so, you. Thank you. Mm, nah, for sure, for sure. I know it's, it's actually very difficult. You, you know, like trust me, I, I go through this a lot too. Like, have uh, you ever had imposter syndrome ever? I never had. What is it? Impost, impost, imposter. Syndrome. Impo- I never had imposter syndrome because I know I'm dope. Okay. But that's a gift. But, but um, I'll tell. I, I do admit, like, I have a lot of people around me that doubted me, that continues to doubt me. My own family. Mm-hmm. You know, my own family, my closest friends. Um, yeah, but that's why I don't really, I kind of built this mental wall. Like, I don't have FOMO a lot mm-hmm. of times. Mm-hmm. You know that's what I mean? Because, no, like, good. I'm like, yo, like, you I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm all right. I, I don't need to be affiliated with everything that's going right. on. Yeah, right. Um, but that's, the, and, and, and that's the only way for you to stay in the right path, where the path, whatever path that you want to be in. Um, for you to achieve what you want to do. Yeah. Otherwise, like all these other external voices, yo, man, they really, they're just going to tell you what they think is right for them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, we, so, I think we said this before on the podcast, but people don't want you to be great. They want you to be just like them. Mm. And I think you have to listen to your inner voice. I mean, there's so much noise out there. there you just is. gotta shut it down. Yeah, like right now, there's a lot of noise. Out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but on that note, yo, like your voice is like getting all husky and shit. Yeah. You sound like a different individual. <laughs> it's because I'm choking up. I know, yo. Up. I love you guys so much. I know, yeah. yo. Stop it, yo. Stop yeah, being yeah. all emotional. Um, shout out to Six Ninety Nine, though. Uh, of no, course, I'm gonna say that's it, the though, foundation. I love you guys, I do. I'm mm-hmm. an Asian woman who says I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, I love you, you too. Jakey, yeah, let's do I, I that. Lo- I let's love you guys that. as well. I love you guys. Yes, yes. I love you guys yes. and all the success that Six Ninety Nine will bring. Yes, all the sponsorship dollars. <laughs> I love that too. Um, so sh- yeah, once again though, I like to shout out to everybody that's tuning in, that's listening, that will listen, that will spread the word. Continue to subscribe, listen, comment, share it with a friend, share it with your family, share it with your grandma, share it with your dog, everybody. Once again, this is another episode of Six Ninety Nine Per Pound Podcast, live and direct from Listening Party in Canal Street Market. Jojo, do you want to add anything else? Remember, mind over matter. Mind over matter. That's the key phrase of the day. We out. Bug. <laughs> hey yo, it's six ninety nine per pound. Podcast.